It's been a problem since the beginning, but in recent times, the subject of bullying has now come front and center. Few things can offer a more long-term negative effect on our kids' psyches than being the victim of bullying. This is especially true when bullying becomes routine. But how do we know if or when bullying has become an issue with our kids? How do we know whether they've been the victims or perhaps even the perpetrators themselves? And what role have we parents played? Is there a chance that we've unintentionally fed our kids to the bullying lions? And if so, how do we correct course and protect our kids? Well, we'll find out today on Licensed to Parent. Hello and welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, a program about being intentional and biblical in the way you raise your teens. And this program, by the way, is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens and their families. Our host on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, and I'm Rich Rossell. And Trace, I think probably all of us uh, have experienced bullying in one form or another at one time or another in our lives, whether we've been the victim, the frightened observer, the amused observer, an accomplice, or maybe even the actual perpetrator. I know as kids, uh, younger siblings can probably make a case against virtually all of their older siblings. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're you're a family that had several kids. What's your experience been in all of this? Well, I was the oldest, so I'll just leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> I've certainly been the victim of bullying as a kid. I, mm. I, I think we all have in, in one way or another. I, I can remember the trauma of being a fourth grader in a school that was only four doors down from my house, a sixth grader and, and, and two high school brothers and another sixth grader who just happened to be my next door neighbors made it their daily ambition to use me as a human punching bag. So, you know, it was a traumatic event every day at three o'clock just to find a way to, to make, uh, make it down those four doors uh, from the schoolyard to the refuge of my house, which had its own liabilities. Sometimes I made it, sometimes I didn't. The reason these kids were, were doing this was because I had taken, believe it or not, Rich, I know it's going to be Hard for you to believe this. I took a Molotov cocktail to school. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you took a Molotov cocktail to school. Yeah. Well, it wasn't lit, but they <laughs> they, they made it, okay? And they, they gave it to me uh, to take to school. Why I did this? I mean, God only knows. I was in fourth grade. I, I never had uh, any evil intent with this thing. I just thought it was novel. But when I got caught with it, I told the principal who made it and who had given it to me. So, uh, and that began nearly a year uh, of my life that I'm not getting back. So, what was the aside from I presume the Molotov cocktail being confiscated? What? Uh, <laughs> how did all of this end? Actually, I forgot how it all came to a halt. But the sad thing was, until I moved away almost two years later uh, to a neighboring town, I was actually becoming one of them. Really? Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's a whole other program. But I, I moved, and, and then uh, uh, that's when I met and befriended a, a Baptist pastor's kid. And, and the rest is history. But I will say this. Uh, when I was in the ninth grade, I was a witness to a situation where a kid had become the, the regular victim of a, of a bully in gym class. And everyone in the class seemed to be getting a lot of mileage out of it because the kid was a little bit nerdy, I suppose. But he wasn't a bad kid at all, just, just an easy target. Sure. And one day, things just seemed to cross a line in me to where I simply told the bully, who happened to be a very big and popular jock in school, I just said firmly, leave him alone. And there was such an indignation that welled up in me that I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's time to kill or be killed, but enough's enough. And I, th I think I even said something to that effect 
to this guy. And I didn't even, uh, I didn't even like this nerdy little kid. All I remember is that I knew, and I think the bully knew, that I was as serious as a heart attack. And, and, and that was mm. it. He simply backed down and never bothered that kid again, at least not in my presence. Yeah. And I thank God because this guy could have killed me. I mean, destroyed me. But I think bullies know that, that even, in, you know, uh, even if they win a real fight, okay, they're they're still likely to come away with some some wounds themselves, right? Especially if the sure. if the person they're fighting has a just cause. And to most bullies, I, I don't I just don't think it's worth it to them. Anyway, you asked me about my experience. I told you. Now let's talk to the expert. Well, uh, <laughs> let me introduce this expert, Trace. His name is Paul Coughlin. He's uh, an expert witness, in fact, regarding bullying and the law. Also a Fox News analyst and contributor. He's a former newspaper editor. And as we found out right before the program, he is also a former Christian radio program director, which we might find out about later. Uh, Paul is the best-selling author of eight books, including the uh, Freedom from Bullying Parent and Teacher resource called Raising Bullyproof Kids. It's no longer in print, but his latest book is called Free Us from Bullying. Paul works with numerous professional organizations to diminish bullying. That includes the Baltimore Ravens. He's got curriculum now in place and in use throughout North America, as well as in South Africa, Uganda, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, and many other countries. Uh, in 2005, Paul Coughlin founded Protectors, which is an organization working to change what he refers to as the theater of bullying into a theater of character freedom and justice. And incidentally, uh, Trace, we do know that uh, this is quite a big topic. So we've already asked Paul to stick around and join us for a second program. So today we're going to try to cover the uh, the biblical aspects of bullying and what our Christian response should be. And on next week's program, we will be uh, talking more about the practical things that, that we as parents can do to uh, to help our kids who may be going through problems with bullying. Well, Paul, welcome to Licensed Parent. Hey, it is great to be with you very much. Trace, I love your, um, love your background, love your understanding of this topic. Well, yeah, I mean, I work with bullies every day, or former bullies. Uh, and I've been reformed now, so I'm not giving <laughs> them those right. problems anymore. But listen, I, I, you do a great work here, and uh, I, as I mentioned before the program, I didn't get a chance to, uh, uh, to, to read the entire book, but uh, well, what I read, you are so spot on. What got you interested in the subject of bullying? Wow, yeah. So uh, a number of years ago, I wrote a book called uh, No More Christian Nice Guy, uh, the difference between being nice and being good. And I did a lot of speaking at men's conferences. I did some with the Promise Keepers Canada, Iron Sharpens Iron, a lot of other men's conferences. And uh, during these conferences, I would talk about the need, particularly for men, to protect the, the weak and the broken and the shackled in spirit. And uh, I noticed that that really resonated with my audience. And so I got to thinking, well, we have a platform now, and uh, where is justice missing? Good old-fashioned, you know, justice, you know, pounded on a regular basis, and really settled upon adolescent bullying, and then um, looked into it and thought, well, there has to be a Christian response to adolescent bullying. And I'm just here to tell you, there really wasn't one. Mm. And so uh, we created a Christian response to it. And, and we're uh, this year alone, we're on track to help more than 2,000 kids publicly apologize for bullying and related behavior during our live uh, presentations. That so is, we've been man, that part is, of a really good work. That is so cool. I just wonder, you know, why is it just now being brought to center stage? 
Yeah, I, I, well, probably because of the many misconceptions that are associated uh, with bullying. Um, we think it's about misunderstanding, miscommunication. The poor bully can't control his or her anger. We kind of see it as a rite of passage, unfortunately. Um, and then the other thing I think that has brought it to the forefront is um, that it's almost like a perfect storm that has taken place now. Uh, parenting is has been so diminished and destroyed really probably oh, since boy. the 1960s and 70s. Yep. So you have you have parenting um, isn't what it used to be. You literally have extremely petulant people raising children now, and I saw that as a coach of over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have these kids who psychologically are far more fragile than they used to be. And then you have this ability to harm them. It's way greater than it used to be. Cyberbullying wasn't even a word in the 1990s. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, would we even be having this conversation today? Would you have written your book if it wasn't for the Internet? That is a great question. I, I would say off the top of my head, it, it wouldn't be such a needed resource. It'd right. still be a needed resource, sure. uh, but you know, not to the same level. So we have more fragile kids. We have the, the greater ability to just literally destroy a child yeah. um, through cyberbullying. And so I think that's why this topic has become uh, what it is. Mm-hmm. I want to get to physical bullying, uh, but, but, but first, how should parents train their kids to deal with the Internet bullies? Well, very similar to the face-to-face bullying. What a bully wants is a public display of pain and anguish. It makes them feel alive. It's very pleasurable to bully. Uh, I, I admit this during my presentations to kids. I admit that I enjoyed it. When I was uh, in elementary school, even into high school from time to time. So it, it's really pleasurable. So they want a public display of pain and anguish. Because it's really about power, domination, and control. Um, and so that's what they want. To the best of a child's ability, face-to-face, online, pretend that it doesn't bother them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great comeback online and face-to-face is the word whatever. It's dismissive, but it's not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. As followers of, of Jesus, we're not supposed to get into revenge. Right. Uh, but defending one's dignity, value, and worth is not innately uh, revenge in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and this is very important, too, because many parents will erroneously tell their kid, well, just ignore the bully. Don't say anything. Yeah, good luck okay. with that. <laughs> Even worse, they'll say, they'll, they'll say things like, uh, you'll just lower yourself to their, their level. Mm-hmm. Since when is defending your dignity, value, and worth lowering yourself? Right. I don't really believe in that. And what will happen is if we don't respond to a bully sometimes, that is taken as a sign of weakness. Absolutely. And in the theater of bullying, weakness invites aggression among the malevolent. So we need to train our kids how to show strength in the presence of a bully. And one of those things that it's really essential that they do is not feed the machinery. Yeah. Pretend it doesn't. The scripture says that only a fool uh, shows everything they think and feel all the time. Right. We really need to help them conceal how they think and feel inside uh, with an air of confidence, not arrogance. Paul, I'm, I'm curious because you, you've already in my brain reminded me of several things from growing up, but one of the things was that, you know, kids did need to learn how to defend themselves, if you will, on the playground, and that's part of what we're talking about here is, you know, on the on the cyber playground perhaps. But uh, I remember my, my parents saying to me when I was bullied, 
you know, the old, the old adage, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Well, it's not true, but I think part of the, part of the lesson there was sometimes you've just got to, you've got to toughen up. You've got to, you got to just learn to take it. Um, is there any veracity in that? There is. I mean, we, we call it hardening the target. A bully is not looking for a fight. A bully wants to overwhelm. And so what they are, what they'll do is they will, well, we have October is anti-bullying month in America for a reason, because studies show that by sure. October, school starts late August, September, by October, most bullies have found their targets. And who do they go after? The nice kid. They go after mm. the kid who probably either can't or won't push back. They go after the kid who has been taught so erroneously to turn the other cheek, which has nothing to do with adolescent bullying. Mm-hmm. Uh, put in context in Matthew chapter 5, it has to do with a generous spirit. It has nothing to do with accepting abuse into your life. So, yeah, this, kids do need to toughen up. Uh, but we also need to point out that bullying is very different today. Uh, for example, group bullying, mob bullying, mm. uh, statistically way more powerful and prevalent today than it was 20, 30 years ago. So you've got one kid often against three to five kids. That yeah. makes for a great Hollywood movie, but it doesn't make for a very good real-life situation. That poor kid is more outnumbered today statistically than he has been in the past he needs help. Yeah, potentially the whole world. How, how, how have Christian parents been uh, complicit uh, with, uh, with today's mental health field, I think, in, in giving bullies a, a green light to get away with and hone their craft? Oh, well, one of them is that the, it's a very nice approach to parenting. You know, they certainly don't want to say anything to the kid who's harming the other kid for fear of harming that kid's self-esteem. Mm-hmm. In the process, we have created... We've created little monsters who grow up to be big monsters. Yeah. Your average bully does not have low self-esteem. Your average bully has excessive, inordinate self-love. Mm-hmm. They think they're wonderful. Yeah. They think they're smarter, better, more important than others. And others deserve the treatment that they give them because bullies are bullies believe they're superior to um, other people. You know the, the three groups who have excessive self-esteem? Racist, drunk drivers, and bullies. So yeah. self-esteem has not given our country or our world what we have claimed uh, that it would. It, is, it was not the panacea that it was sold. And in fact, it is. It has caused extreme harm to our culture. Yeah, no, I've got a whole whole group of kids who have been taught that they deserve the best of everything just for showing up. The, the entitlement uh, and the fragility is 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 off the charts. Uh, I think, and I've always said this, uh, that uh, one of the biggest problems we have in our culture today uh, is, is, is how we've redefined terms. We talk about being meek and nice and kind and, and we confuse that with uh, weakness. I know the bully certainly does. Psalm 59 could almost be a manifesto against bullies. Uh, Psalm 141.5, King David, a man after God's own heart, a warrior. He said, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. And I'm just wondering, you know, is there is there a time when, you know, we need to teach our kids to get a little more medieval on some of these bullies? Uh, okay. So, <laughs> right. So first of all, uh, David and Psalms, uh, David and Psalms there, yeah, a righteous man is not a bully. So it's very, right. very different, right? So mm-hmm. uh, there is, so our word for violence comes from uh, uh, the word to violate. Yeah. So I don't believe 
that a child who defends their physical value or defends the physical value of another person um, is violating another person in as much as as um, their response is not inordinate, right? Well, you have to, so, have, you have to put uh, you have to plug intent into the equation, right? Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, is that, is that first of all, that person would not be the aggressor; that person would be defending themselves. Exactly. The policies, for example, that many schools have, and of course, I understand why they have the policy. If you were to give a green light to physically defend yourself against another person, and by the way. Most school administrators know the score. Uh, I have been in closed-door conversation with, with school administrators where the target finally pushes back, and they are so happy mm-hmm. that that target oh, yeah. finally pushed back. Behind closed doors. And so they, technic- yeah, they technically have to discipline the kid, but they don't discipline them any as much as they do the perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Most of it. Right. So, yes, there is a place to defend our dignity, value, and worth. We do not in my opinion, in any way, shape, or form, become honorary pacifists when we become uh, Christians. And in fact, if you look at Jesus' term, blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. Um, Peacemakers, the only time that word appears in Scripture, it comes from a Roman military term, and it means those who actively and sometimes aggressively bring conflict to an end. That is way more police officer than it is nursery room person. Absolutely. So Jesus is commending the use of righteous strength, yeah, well, as much, of course, as it's not inordinate. Right. He's also called the Prince of Peace, yet he said, I didn't come to bring a peace, but a sword. Uh, and, and, and I don't think Scripture has anything positive to say about peacekeepers, unless I'm misinterpreting Scripture. Uh, if, if peacemakers are, are aggressively making peace, then peacekeepers are passively kicking the can down the road, if you ask me. Oh, yeah, I did it as a coach. I thought that I was being a peacemaker. In reality, I was being a peace faker. Uh, mm. and, and I think it does, in fact, uh, your average Christian more than your non-average Christian, where we have been led to believe that any use of strength or power is, is bad, and that if we just are nice enough to people on a regular basis, we'll melt their heart and change them. And I'll just tell you, for a serial bully, Serial bullies do not listen to peace, love, and understanding. Right. We wish they would, but they don't. And we have a lot of false testimony out there uh, that argues. And of course, of course, that can change them. Don't get me wrong. It can. But that is not our only response to such people. Uh, serial bullies listen to power and consequences. That is their love language. And we've got to speak their love language uh, on, on that front. So no, a nice response is not the only one that we are allowed to have as believers, and I would say uh, more so that if we think the nice response is our only response, we will be derelict in our responsibilities in Mm -hmm. any leadership uh, uh, capacity, because bullies smell that, and they they take it for weakness, and they take care. A bully under a nice leader Give them two to three years, and they can destroy that organization. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned love language. One of the love, uh, love languages is touch. And you, uh, I've always taught my kids you may have to lay hands on a bully occasionally. <laughs> so, anyway, we got, we're up against a break. Yep. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Paul Coughlin. He's uh, author of Raising Bullyproof Kids. He's also president and founder of Protectors. We'll ask him more about that in a bit. You can find that online at theprotectors.org. We're going to take a brief break. We'll be right back with more conversation with Paul Coughlin next on Licensed to Parent. 
everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Prison. prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. You'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media captive culture. Available in the store at licensedtoparent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed parents to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Incidentally, while you're there, if you'd like to check out some past parenting conversations, you'll find them all at licensedtoparent.org. Now, today we are talking about a tough subject. It's called bullying, and uh, bullying has taken on a whole new life especially with the advent of the Internet in recent years. Cyberbullying is one of the biggest uh, issues that a lot of teens are having to face today. And our guest on Licensed to Parent is Paul Coughlin, who is an expert witness regarding bullying and the law. He's uh, also an author of um, a study that came out some years back and is no longer in print called Raising Bullyproof Kids. His newest book is called Free Us from Bullying, and we'll give you information at the end of the program about how you can get that. And Trace, you know, we, we've, you and I grew up in the 60s. We've been taught stay strong, be tough, stiff oh, yeah. upper lip, you know. The Andy Griffith show yeah. away. Yeah. And simultaneously in Christian homes, turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this this brings up a lot of problems for Christian parents who don't know which way to turn. Yeah. So, so Paul, with respect to bullies, uh, the Bible and being a committed child of God, a godly parent, how do we reconcile with our kids the turn the other cheek passage in Matthew 5 with King David's break the teeth in their mouths, O God, passage in Psalm 58, or, you know, let, let, let death take my enemies by surprise passage of Psalm 55, or Jesus using a whip and turning over the, the tables and pouring out, you know, the, the money changers, uh, money all. And yet he did not sin. I mean, how do we reconcile all that compared to, to the politically correct Christianity we, we, we see today? 
I know. I tell you what, in, in uh, evangelical culture, uh, if we were honest, we would kick Jesus out of the temple, yeah. right? I mean, we would say that he was a bad Christian. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That was a premeditated act, by the way. Right. He made the, the whip himself ahead yep. of time. Well, yeah, and then rejoice in the judgment of God, we're told in the, uh, in the uh, Old Testament as well. Well, mm-hmm. um, it's a great. It, there is no more tortured scripture in the theater of bullying than turn the other cheek. So in Matthew chapter five, Jesus is saying to his disciples, his adult disciples, very important distinction. If you're going to be my follower, um, the letter of the law is no longer your bar of behavior. If you're going to be my follower, it needs to be more than that. And so he gives us three examples. Uh, there in Matthew chapter 5. If a man in authority asks you to porter one mile, you porter two. We know what that is, Roman soldier. They resented the Roman soldiers, and uh, they were by law allowed to, hey, you carry my stuff for a mile. And he says, no, go two miles. He says, um, if someone asks for your shirt, give to them your cloak also. In Exodus, I believe, uh, you are not required under uh, Mosaic law to give your cloak, presumably because you would freeze to death, but you wouldn't necessarily freeze to death if someone, if you uh, gave someone your shirt. And then Jesus doesn't say turn the other cheek. He says, turn to them your left cheek. Uh, To be struck on the face, on the right side of your face, was a punishable offense by law. You could um, sue someone. It was certainly, you, you could go after that person legally if they had done that to you. So he gives three examples of the law, and he says, if you're going to be my follower, the law is not your, it's not your benchmark. And we know that uh, because at the very end of that scripture, he ties it all together. He basically says, have a generous spirit. Give to those who ask. So Jesus is encouraging, if you're going to be my disciple, you need to be generous. Mm-hmm. I want you to be a generous soul. So that is the point of Matthew chapter 5. That is the point of turn the other cheek. Um, It is not in any way, shape, or form allowing your child to be bullied on a playground in fourth grade. It is just has nothing to do with it. Yeah, very good. Well, Paul, uh, our listeners at this point may be saying, this is great information, and I see now how bullying should be addressed from a Christian perspective, but how do I do that practically? And coincidentally, we have run out of time on today's <laughs> program. We have asked Paul to stay with us for a uh, for a second program, and you'll be hearing that in our next installment of Licensed to Parent. Uh, Paul, if folks do want to pick up your book, though, Free Us from Bullying, what's the best way to do that? They can get a copy online on Amazon, at the local Christian bookstore, of course. And if people want to know more about our parent organization, The Protectors, they can just go to theprotectors.org. Okay, that's theprotectors.org. Terrific. Well, thanks for being with us today. And again, we'll be talking to you again on our next program. So uh, till then, we appreciate your help in, uh, in uncovering the best way to approach bullying. Thanks God so much, bless Paul. you. Well, thank you. And this is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. While there, you can listen to our past conversations. Also, you can check out Trace's blog and learn more about our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy. And remember that the work we do here is only possible because of the help of generous partners like you. 
If you'd like to join in this outreach, please do consider a tax-deductible gift to help offset the costs of producing this program and to help provide scholarships for families who might not otherwise be able to afford residential care. You can give securely online when you click the Donate button. It's located at the top of the page at LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.